Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sending your emails and your requests. Two things I want to say. I have a few extra books that have been given to me. So someone who wrote and said, is there one left? I wrote back and said, yes, one for you. But there's a few more, a few more. So please feel free to invite your friends. We've been saying, make your friends our friends. And we've been so delighted to do that. I'm just going to read you a sentence or two from a few emails I just got yesterday. One gal writes and she says, she's listening from Trinidad. And I'd love to say her name, but I know I will botch it. She's 28 years old, the wife uh, for four years and a mommy to two little girls, one who's two and a half years old and one who's six months. Okay, all mamas, you can groan now. <gasps> what a job you have going on for you, dear girl. She described how she recently began to listen to us and she said, you're such a blessing. My new sweet older auntie as I told my husband. So now I have a niece in Trinidad, and I love that so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We do want to continue to encourage you, and thank you for blessing our team. Um, in these days, our team is working very hard to keep things as fresh as we can do. A gal wrote and said that she would introduce us to two friends of hers, and um, she said, thank you for speaking, mothering helps. In the next few days, we're going to be talking about finances and our children. This is one I want to read to you, not the entire um, email, although it was just a lovely email. She's a stay-at-home mom, a little boy who's almost three, and a girl who's a year old, and she listens from Culpeper, Virginia. Culpeper, Virginia. I'm not sure I've been to Culpeper, Virginia, but she writes and wants to respond to the lesson we had with Shanti a few days ago, and she says to us, tell me how I can adapt some of your ideas on a low budget in making a home a holy place. And I thought, that's a great question, and I'd like to answer that question on air. How is it that we take these ideas about constructing a home that's holy ground? And if you didn't hear that series, please go back and listen to it. I sometimes am more proud of things I do than others, but I think we did a very good job in talking about the purpose, the holy purpose. Um, her question was, what is your advice to families who would love the idea of decorating a dwelling place to have holy purpose and beauty, but don't have finances to do it? So uh, my response to her, and if you're listening, I hope you are, um, she listens in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and thank you, so many of you who say Minneapolis, Minnesota, and your zip code, USA. And that's great, because we had one recently from Sweden and another one from Switzerland, and a recent addition to our grouping in Japan. So tell us where you're listening from. Also, for those of you who have never subscribed, subscribing helps our numbers. That's all it does. We send not more than three or four throughout the year um, pieces of information that just give tools, additional tools, to those of you who have subscribed to our podcast. 
So here's my advice. First of all, define what decoration means to you. What does a decoration mean to you? And I think that's a very important family thing to do. If your husband says, oh, honey, you're in charge of decorations and he doesn't want to get involved, just grab that and run. If he says, no, I feel this way about it, then make it an important facet. My husband just recently told me, because I'm going through albums, you know, 75 years of pictures. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of pictures. And at one point, we had a mosquito netting up over our master bed. We have an old antique uh, brass bed, which has been converted from a double bed to an expanded queen bed, more than you want to know about my bed. But we had this mosquito netting over it. And it was really sweet. And it was very intimate. And David said, just very casually, oh, you mean that fussy thing we had over our bed? And I went, oh. And I looked at him. I said, did I not talk to you about that? Did I just put that up? He said, oh, honey, you always talk to me about things. But, you know, I didn't care so much. I know. I know what. I know how to live with some fussy. So there's a balance. There's a balance of doing what you like. There's a balance of, so decide what decoration is. Is it color? Is it fabric? Is it furniture? Is it all of the above? Because much of decoration, especially a dwelling place to have a holy purpose, is not costly. It's about what you think about decoration. So I want to say three things. The first thing is placement of furniture so it's relationally founded. Okay? Placement of furniture so it's relationally founded. You want to make your place a holy purpose, not just beautiful, but a holy purpose. Make sure you have places where people in your family, not people who come to visit you, but people in your family. For example, do you have something you can look at your husband across, straight across from? Do you have some place that you can sit next to each other? There are subjects, my husband has told me through our married life, that he likes to talk to me about, but he likes to be alongside of me. And I think that's because David and I are both very um, facial and physical. Our body language speaks a million fold. On some subjects, we both are a little tense about. And he knows better what those subjects are for him than I do. Do you have a space where you could say, hey, let's sit here. We're not on top of each other, but we're more side by side, not face to face. Do you have a place where your whole family can sit together? Is it a comfortable sofa? Is it a sitting chair? Not just the dinner table, the dining table, the eating place. So the first thing is furniture placement. The second thing, are there things that represent your family and God combined? Books, Bibles, wall hangings, Oh, there are so many inexpensive ways to decorate your home physically. You know, right now, all the rage is old wood painted sayings and slogans. And you don't have to be an artist and write beautiful scripture. You don't have to be a calligrapher to write words on an old piece of wood. Just get a stencil. Get a stencil and color it. Spray paint it. Spray 
paint a design. Let the children do it. So decorating the walls with things that affect you. I have a, a plate that someone brought back from the Holy Land that has the Lord's Prayer on it. And that is a part of our decoration. You can make a plate with the Lord's Prayer on it yourself. You can paint it. You don't have to fire it. You're not going to wash it. You're not going to put it in the dishwasher. So be creative about the things that on your walls. And the last thing is color. Color is really important. My husband and I, as you know, moved. Yes, it's been seven months ago. And we haven't hung one picture or painting in our house until this past week. We love wall hangings and we have a lovely collection of pictures and paintings and we, wonderful things. Much of it has a story to tell. Much of it is about our family. We have paintings on our walls that represent the six immediate people in our family. Our grandson, our granddaughter, my husband, <clears throat> myself, our daughter and her husband. They are hanging on the walls. And Make it poster size. You want to spend a little money? Uh, take a picture of your family that you love dearly and make it poster size. And then take some old wood and create a frame and hang it on the wall. Things that you hang on the wall give some color, some ambience. They take the plain wall and turn it into a holy place. Well, that's all I have to say about these emails. Thank you, thank you. Keep them coming. Keep introducing us to your friends. As I told you, I got a new stash of books, so we're going to continue to give them away. And I just want to tell you this. You're investing in the ministry this way, and thank you also for several of you who made very nice donations to the ministry. Thank you. We are a nonprofit and run by your generous gifts. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But because of your making your friends our friends, I'm going to do the same. So when we're through with this series on finance, I'm going to begin to introduce you to some of our friends, some of my friends who fit into my life, past, present, and I hope future. So thank you for joining us. Don't forget the website. It's still singing and dancing and has all sorts of things available to you. Well, today I want to talk in continuing in our finance mode. I want to talk about finances, family, and training children. Training children is one of our distinctives here at Modern Homemakers. Our four encouraging tools are to help you as a woman, whatever your roles are, worker, student, single, married, mother, wife, homemaker. And we want to help you, especially as a mom, in training your children. Now, these are difficult times. These are difficult economic times. I want to say that again. These are difficult economic times. And you're saying, don't tell me that. I already know that. What's new about that? Well, I want to tell you what's old about that. That phrase has been used in our country, in our culture, been used here at Modern Homemakers to refer to the Great Depressions of the 1920s and 30s and to be taught about literally in the years of 2009 and 10 when the crash of 2008 hit the economics of our country. These are difficult economic times. is not a new thing to all of us, to those of us who live in America. We've been hearing that phrase a great deal this year. Job loss, property loss, illnesses without medical care, death 
far more death has influenced our family, not of natural causes, but from the COVID. And they cause pain and trauma in the lives of Americans and followers of Christ. C.S. Lewis said, he who has God and everything has not more than he who has God alone. Do you want me to say that again? I think that is so powerful. He who has God and everything, I'm guessing Lewis meant everything they want, has not more than he who has God alone. Well, I love to read, and I love to get wisdom from the men and women who've gone before us, whose shoulders we stand on. And this phrase I'm about to read is from the Heidelberg Catechism. Yeah, what can I say? I read in strange places. And he says, you belong. What is my only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I use that phrase as one of my year goals. It was a powerful transition for me. I belong. You know my history and my story. Belonging was not something I grew up to understand. And here it is, the fact that I belong to God, and he is everything. Whether I have other things or not, it matters not. He is my only comfort in life and death, and I belong to him in body and soul. This matters. This matters in how we approach what's going on in our country. It also helps us not to be caught in the materialism of a system that does not put Christ first. I, that's not a surprise to you, is it? It's not new to you to discover that our culture does not put God first. Materialism, yes. I want to go so far as to say that I see fringes all around of greed. Now, I had the privilege of meeting Richard Halverson, who was at a time the chaplain of the Senate, and he said, Jesus Christ said more about money than about any other single thing, because when it comes to man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through scripture, there is an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles his money. Now, we know very well that we see this everywhere. We see it in our family. We see it in our children. We see how fast children are introduced to the power of money. And as mothers, we are in the business of leading our children to Jesus and giving them enough support that when they choose, they will be prepared to choose Christ. We also are in the business of building character. You know, things like integrity, honesty, just dealings, generosity, gratitude. The list is really quite endless. Character traits and how they affect our handling of money. Shanti helped us so much in her conversation in their new book, Thrive in Love and Money, because she and her husband, through all the statistical research they did, discovered it's not about money at all. It's about values, and it's about how we are raised with values. And I'm bringing this subject of training our children because I want to help you train your children so that when they do say, I do to someone, their values are values that are consistent with their relationship with God. So God will not be second place. He is God, and he wants our first devotion. Adversity happens. Job, you can read it and find out. 
David, my husband, was passed over by his own dad. My dad, who died uh, this last month, was a bag of mixed eccentricities. There have been great depressions and wars and famine and disease, and we are in a worldwide pandemic. How do we handle adversity is aligned with how our character is being built. I know you've seen rebellion during this time, with not just in the riots, but rebellion in spirit about masks and sheltering and what they're going to do and not going to do and how silly it is and it doesn't really matter. So I want to talk about this specifically, materialism in the family of God and training your children uh, in Money Matters. Now, I'm going to give you a few specifics, but there are loads and loads, as Shanti said last time we were together, there's so many practical things. Their book is not a practical how to set up a budget. There's Crown Ministries and Ron Blue and Smart Sense and books and tapes and classes and Rondi Elkins books on money, possessions, and eternity. There are essentials everywhere. They're easy to find. But they need to be Broadly, and I'm going to give you five things they need to be. They need to talk about sewership, about wealth and poverty, about borrowing and lending, about giving, and about spending, spending, investing, tithing, offerings. Now, those five categories are the essentials that you need to know and understand. What does stewardship mean? What is wealth? What is poverty? What is borrowing? What is lending? What does God's word say about that? What is giving? What is spending? Investing, tithing, offerings. So I believe that materialism in our family is, is rampant. An unruly mother cannot expect anything more from her children. The caught it method always outweighs the taught it method. And if you're new to modern homemakers, go back and listen to some of the archives that I talk about that. Caught it teaching versus taught it teaching. Classroom teaching, here are the rules, saying it to it, versus caught it teaching, letting your children watch and see what you do. Albert Schweitzer said, there are three ways to teach a child. The first is by example, the second is by example, and the third is by example. You can say anything you want about speeding in the car, but when a policeman pulls you over, however you act is exactly what you're saying to your children. Are you mad at him? Are you ticked because he pulls you over? Do you know you were speeding? What's your posture about these kinds of things? How you are doing and what you are doing with the resources of God and that he's given you. Are you stewarding them? Are you in debt? Are you afraid? Are you careful? Are you trusting? Materialism looks different in different cultures, but it always winds up being the same fact. And here's the fact. Stuff over God and his people. The great two-step is love God and love others. And if I love stuff, you love stuff over your family over others, if stuff matters, then I dare to use the word, is it an idol? We are called to take care of our families, even to some extent our extended families. The scripture is very clear, and I'm going to give you a couple of references, but I'm going to read one or two as I go along. The reference would be Mark 7, 9 through 13, and what I'm going to read to you is from 1 Timothy chapter 5, 
verse 8 and then verse 16. Verse 8, he says, And whoever does not provide for relatives, and especially for family members, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, Donna, what do you mean by provided? Well, that is a question that we'll talk about a little further today. But more than that, it's an individual question to your family. My husband and I have had four parents. My dad just died. And when we look back at all four of our parents, it was a united agreement between David and myself what we would do and how we would do it, and we did differently with all four of them. But David and I have no regrets about the investment we made into this passage of providing for our relatives, of honoring our mother and father. Did we do it perfectly? We did not. Did we fail? Yes, we did. But we were engaged in the relationship of caring for them, to some extent, our extended family. Jesus took care of his mother in his final acts on the cross, John 19, 25, 26, 27. He says, John, here's your mother. Mother, here is your John. And these people are going to take care of each other. And the, the passage says that John took his mother home with him on that day, on that day. Now, I don't know if that culture meant take him home and she moved into their house or not. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, he says, Here I am, ready to come to you this third time, and I will not be a burden, because I do not want what is yours, but you. For children ought to not lay up for their parents, but parents for their children. And so this is the, this relative, this extended giving of ourselves. Do you make so many sacrifices that your children expect everything they're looking for? In the 1980s, which is a very long time ago, a guy named David McKenna coined the word affluenza. How, I thought about this as I was getting ready for these lessons. We have been in, in influenza time with the COVID. But he coined the word affluenza. It's a strange malady that affects the children of well-to-do parents. Though having everything money can buy, the children show all the subjects and all the symptoms of abject poverty, depression, anxiety, loss of meaning, and despair for the future. Affluenza accounts for an escape into alcohol, drugs, shoplifting, and suicide among children of the wealthy. It is most often found where parents are absent from the home and are trying to buy their children's love. Did you ever try to buy your child's love? Raise your hand if you did. Okay, my hand is up. Maybe my hand is up twice. I have this lovely thing called the, the love of giving gifts. I love to give gifts. It, it's one of my love languages. Mm, there was a season when I gave too many gifts to our daughter. This buying children's love today in the 21st century, in 2020, it's rampant, especially in the single-parent home, where a parent is forced to work to put food on the table. A exhaustion from any kind of work, not just a career, but any kind of work. And what we've been doing in this pandemic time is working two or three jobs, and all from home, trying to keep the home organized and the children managed. And the, this problem is very significant now. 
especially in the single parent home. 50% of all homes in America are single parent homes. Now, I want to say that it's not because divorce is up, it's because marriage is down. Stuff is never a good substitute for time together. Try to choose a career, especially if you're a single person. I will never forget hearing the story of a woman. Oh my goodness, I can still see her face and hear her voice. She described a time when her family, she lived in a very small community in the Midwest, and uh, her husband had been killed, and they were not at all a part of the affluenza culture. And she had these children. If I remember right, there were five of them. And she had to raise them and school them and do all that was necessary. And she had no education. But she discovered one thing that she did very well was iron. <laughs> In those days, ironing was a big deal. And she would iron in the night when her children were sleeping. And in the day, she would do what she could to be the best parent possible. I've never forgotten that. I thought, we say we can't do anything. I'm a single parent. I'm stuck. I can't raise money. There's always a way to earn some money to do some things and to get your children engaged. When glutted with stuff, too much stuff, we soon lose respect for it. A child raised in a materialistic home has a predictable future. And this is statisticians from, from, from researchers who have done studies over the course of 30 years. These are predictable in a materialistic home. There will be misuse of credit, default on debt, they will be poor workers, they will be irresponsible in our society, church, and family, and they'll be quick to blame others, pout, show entitlement tantrums. Indulging a child is never a good response. I think some of the movies, now they make jokes and say, ah, it must be a trust fund baby. I don't think it has to be a trust fund baby. It can be from a very poor home that has indulged their children too much. Spiritual insight, simple living, and God's perspective take time and patience to teach but bring strength and eternal goodness to a family. You are who you hang out with is one of the auto mottos. And for those of you who got your books, I hope you didn't mind my putting a bookmark in for auto mottos. And we are glad to pass those along. We train from birth in all areas. Children model us, good or bad. I'll never forget my daughter being really less than three years old, having her baby doll in this little cradle that she was rocking. And the baby doll became an infant one minute, and the next minute the same baby doll was a child. And she was wagging her finger at this baby doll. And I thought to myself, I know where she learned that caught it method. Well, I'm looking at my notes and looking at the clock, and I am going to stop right here. I hope you'll come again the next time we're together and get part two, part two of finances, family, and training your children. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of investigating how you are caughting your children with finances.